heroes. Highlights and hardships with Triple M's Rush Hour. Welcome back to the Rush Hour with Gus, Jude and Wendell, the 3H's podcast, Hero, Highlight and Hardship. And uh, we've got a very special guest, a mate of all of us in here, Brad Haddon. G'day, Hads. How are you, mate? Hads, pleasure to be in here. Mate, it's great to have you in here for a little bit of a longer chat. Let's start with your hero. Who was your hero on or off the field, mate? Yeah, probably growing up in in the country, the the first heroes I, I had actually would, would have to be your, your mum and dad. I, I know it's a, a, a boring answer and a, a bit cliches, but they're they're the one teach you about your behaviours, how you should treat people, and, and that's probably the the one thing now when when you have kids growing up, the the disciplines your parents put in, into you early, like your, your dad about looking someone in an eye, always being nice to to the people around you, and and things will things will happen your way. I probably got my competitive from though it was my mother. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because you are comp- you are the most competitive person I know. Yeah, well, uh, you know, as a, as a young age, and, and mum put this in us actually, like you're playing under six, whether it be league, AFL, cricket, and, and she said, no, 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 you've got, to, you've got to try to win, but you've got to do it the right way. You, mm. You've got to win and lose and have the same behaviours when you win or lose a game. You've got to shake the ref's hand, acknowledge the opposition, and, and carry on exactly the same when you've won or lost. So, but probably, yeah, it's my, my parents to to start with. But then moving to, to Queanbeyan, uh, we, we didn't have much cricket down there. We had no first-class teams. We, we didn't have an AFL team. And, and we had the Raiders, the, the Brumbies were just starting. So it was probably Laurie Daly and Ricky Stewart, Del. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason for, for that, and, and I think a bit differently about the game, I, I like to watch sport a, a bit different. Uh, what I liked about them is they made everyone else around them better. Mm-hmm. And, and that stuck with me throughout my whole sporting career and, and when I was playing cricket growing up, you, you've got to make all your teammates. You, you can't just be the the one that does everything. You've got to make everyone else around you better. And, and I thought those two players um, did that in that great Canberra team when there was no salary cap. Mm. <laughs> but what, what I did love about, you know, you, you're saying that watching those Canberra players, but even for yourself, when I, when I watch you play cricket, your love uh, for obviously rugby league, why is that? I think there was Simon Wolf and a few of the boys went into the dressing sheds after a test match. And I think for me personally, when I've been offered to go in there, I think that's your sanctuary. I think that's that's your private sort of, you know, space. Yeah, it is. And and it's a privileged position to, to be in. And everyone wanted to, to get into the Australian change room at, at the end of a test match. And, and we used to keep it a, a sacred place for a long time be, because the bottom line, it was just like any other change room. Uh, you, you go in there and... And enjoy a beer with, with, with your mates. You, you've been out into battle. You've, you've enjoyed the occasion. And then you celebrate the success of, of your team to, together. There'll be some individual performances, obviously, that you, you recognise. But it was it was more about looking at each other in the eye and saying, you know what, we did a good job today. Uh, we got in the contest and well done. Tell us that first moment when you got the call up into New South Wales and then maybe the, the opportunity of, of playing for Australia. What was that like to go back to your folks and say... Actually, I'm getting getting the call up this week. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I only ever wanted the opportunity to play a game at the SCG. You grew up in Queanbeyan, you were New South Wales through and through, and and it was always, oh, I want to play a game at the SCG. Oh, imagine if I had got the opportunity to do that. And and I remember moving to, to Sydney when I was 19. I had a oh, probably 12 months uh, in grade cricket then, and then I got selected the, the second year I was here. And and just had the opportunity to, to walk out on the SCG, you play that one game, but something changes. Well, once you get that one game, you go, oh, hang on a minute, this is not a, not enough. You hear the traditions of your sport, all the greats that have gone before you, and you think, 
I, I want more of this. It's like a, a drug that you just want a, a more and more of. So just to be able to to play that one game and then for 15 years to, to call that your home and play over 100 games, I, I just feel blessed. What was the Australian call-up like? Was it a phone call? Was it an email? Was it a tap on the shoulder at New South Wales training? Yeah, it, it was a different one to, to most. I, I didn't think I'd get the opportunity to to play test cricket. I got called up for the Australian one-day team when I was, I think, I was 22 and I got called up late. Uh, Gilly was having a, a game off and I got the opportunity to play, but then I didn't get to play for Australia again for, for eight years. Wow. But you and, were always the next cab yes. off the rank. Well, we always have a keeper that's solid and then the one and the next one, and sometimes you get missed Well, as the two I see. It's interesting, Gus, because if Gilly had went on for another 12 months or 18 months, I, I may not have got my opportunity to play test cricket. I, I didn't debut till, till I was 30, but the, the one thing that I did was probably a bit different to other keepers. I, I, I didn't worry about what Adam was doing. If I'd worried about what the standards Adam was keeping, I'd be in the corner rocking backwards and forwards. And <laughs> so my, my main thing that he was I pretty good, to wasn't do, he? Yeah. Well, he changed the game. Mm-hmm. He, he actually changed the game for, for all wicket keepers. We, we'll normally the, the last player pick the, the little fat kid that, that holds the gloves and, and doesn't have to bat, but he changed it for everyone. You had to be an all-rounder. You had to win games with the bat. So I, I took him out of the equation and – because New South Wales might have been the, the best I could get to. So I, I wanted to make sure everything I did there was, was as good as I can, prepare myself the, the best I can. And, and when the opportunity came, it was actually Gilly who called me. Gilly rung me and said, mate, your life's about to change. I'm about to retire from, from the test wow. team. I, th- I didn't really know what to say. Like, so I said, is this definitely Adam Gilchrist? Yeah, like, I'm yeah. thinking of someone's someone stitching you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... And I said, oh, uh, thank you. Congratulations on your career. And I didn't really know what to say. Then he's hung up the phone and 24 hours later, he's, he's retired. And, and I sort of, the phone call was good because it prepared me for what was about to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I was lucky enough, I'd got myself in the position that I was the obvious second choice. And then he was right. My life changed from there. And I got the opportunity to play, what, 66 test matches for, for Australia. And, and I wouldn't change one thing. There was good, bad, and indifferent times, but... I wouldn't change it. No. So uh, what I like about you too, you're pretty good on the sledge and that. Like, so, so when, someone <laughs> like, when someone like Gillies, is, is there a respect thing? Like do you have a go at each other even though, you know, state – because I know with the Queens and New South Wales boys, I mean, it's like origin, isn't it? You yeah, guys yeah. hate each other and I understand yeah. that, you know. Yeah, it was – I, I didn't actually play yeah. – I, I can't remember yeah. playing a game against Gilly. I, I think I might have played one one day game against – he was away the whole time. But yeah. I, I remember – when I first came into the squad with Phil Emery in New South Wales, and, and he was a legend of, of New South Wales. I think he's our most capped player of 130 games. And there was another keeper at the time um, in the squad who'd been there for 10 years waiting for, for Emmers to retire. And I remember walking up to him and saying, mate, do you want to catch? He goes, I'm not catching with you. And I said, oh, this is going to be fun. So I, I just looked around. I thought, what, what am I going to do? So I just walked to Phil Emery and I said, mate, do you need a hand? And he said, yep. Yeah. And I threw balls to him. For the next 12 months, I didn't catch any, um, but i tell you what I did. I asked a lot of questions and it was the best training I've ever, ever got. And I didn't catch catch a ball. He told me about what happens at the, the last day of the SCG, if you've got a left arm or what's going to happen when the ball comes out of the rough. If, if it's this colour soil, this is how far you got to stand up and be careful wow. if the wicket's <clears throat> like this. And, and the education I got in that 12 months was the best I've ever got. And, and I say to a lot of keepers, oh, do you catch a lot of balls? I said, I didn't catch a ball. 
Mm. I hit him a ball. Then when it was my turn to bat, he go, you know what? I'll just have a hit. I'll come back later. <laughs> never seen, <laughs> never seen him again. But I, I tell you what he did do. He gave me the time to mentor me about what the game meant. And, yeah, yeah. And the other thing he did really well, he was New South Wales through and through, and, and he didn't like any other state. It's oh, we don't like Queensland. He goes, yeah, we hate Queensland, but we hate Victoria more. <laughs> By the way, we hate it when we're playing against Hooksy in South Australia. I'm going. Hang on a minute, mate. You don't like anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he basically said, oh, no, nah, I, I don't because we're better than everyone. Yeah. Well, there was, if well, you get a blue cap, you got a green cap back in his day. Yeah, so <laughs> and he played that one test, didn't he, when Healy broke his hand or thumb in yeah. Pakistan? Yeah, he broke his he broke his thumb. But what they don't know, oh, a lot do now, but Emma's played that test also with, with a broken finger. He, I think he just had surgery. They said, oh, you're right to go? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm right to go. No injuries. He goes, no, nah, no. Nah. No way he was giving up, that up. Nah. Yeah. What about a hardship for you, Hads? I mean, it's a, such a long, stellar career. Tell us something that maybe on and off the off the field. Yeah, it, it's an easy one, Jude. But my life, but not only mine, but my family's life changed 12 years ago. I was in the Caribbean getting ready for, for a test tour and my wife called. But to, just to take two steps back for that, my, my young daughter was a, a bit off before, before I left. And, you, and you've got girls as well and you go, oh, they've got a bug at school or, mm. or something's not quite right. Um, something from childcare, and he goes, oh, yeah, I'll take her in, get some antibiotics, and said, yeah, yeah, no worries. And my phone rung early in the morning in the Caribbean, and, and it was Karina. She said, oh, we've got some trouble. Mia's, Mia's got cancer. And I remember the, the phone call, just sitting in my room, dropping the phone, walking straight to the manager's room and saying, mate, I need a flight out. This has happened. Then, um, yeah. Anyway, the, the rest history got back home. We I walked away from the game for eighteen months, but it, it, it's it's interesting. And any any family that that's gone through it, and, and you guys have played sport as well. You do everything for the game. You you, you bleed for your state, your your country, your your league teams. When you hear those words, it's amazing how everything else in your mind just goes blank, mm. and you just go, I, I've got to get home. I, I've got to be a father. Then and then we spent. Uh, what was it? We lived in the hospital for nine months. Um, we, we didn't get to have a day. We got told twice that Mia wasn't going to get through the night. Um, one, one stage I had the, they, they wanted to, to bring the priest in and, and, and she just fought her way through. Um, so that, that changed our, our life forever. And I remember really early in the process, one of the oncology doctors, and that, they were outstanding at the Westmead Children's Hospital, he said, you're no longer a normal family. You're a family now with a child with cancer. And when everything's going on, things are going fast around your head and, and you think, yeah, yeah. But I understand exactly what he meant about 12 months later because once you have a child that, that's gone through cancer, it's, yes, you've gone through, you've beat it, you're, you're in remission, but she sneezes early. Mm. You think, hang on a minute. Have you got a temperature? Do we need to rush into hospital? And, and, and everything changes. So the, the people at Westmead did an extraordinary job. Mia's going well now. She's in year seven. She's a and a normal um, normal little girl, mate. Hard to dress in the morning. Loves the sport. All, all, all those things. But yeah, she she'll have complications on, on the way. But at, at this stage, yeah, things are, are going in the right direction. So your your mindset as a parent there. Do you, I mean, you've had a lot of good things happen. Do you go, why us? Why my daughter? Do you have those things with you? You know what? Yeah. I've been asked that question. Yeah. It's a good question, uh, Del. Not not once. And, and it's it's weird to say that because I, 
thinking back of it, um, you think, oh, why me? Why is this happening to mm. us? But y- your mindset doesn't even go t- to, to that space. W- what it goes to is, uh, okay, I've got to look after my family here. What's the best outcome for our little girl? The hardest thing was is, you know, we're, we're all um, men, but you're protective of your kids and especially your daughters, but you've got to trust other people to make the right decisions for them. And that was the hardest thing. Yeah. Like the, You've got to trust that the doctors will come in and say, okay, we need surgery here. This is a treatment path. And then they'll ask, what do you think? And you sort of put your hands up and go, mate, I'm, this is your area now. And that was the hardest but it was never at any stage did you go, um, why me? Because on the flip side of that, when it's going ahead, Karina was um, pregnant with Hugo. We, we had Zach also. And you go, you've got to start to look at a, a huge picture. Yes, we've got a daughter that we've got to get through cancer and, and we don't know what the result is going to be. But then you've got to understand that, hang on a minute, I've got two other little boys and we've got to make sure that they've got the best possible upbringing so that doesn't affect uh, them later in life. So you, you just turn into this mode where you go, okay, th- this, this is all about my family. Um, you actually, th- this is weird. You actually start to think really, really clear. Mm. Um, you think in those situations where you, you had got a lot going on, but it was actually the other way. You, you're really clear on, on what you had to do. What was the emotion like? Obviously, you've told the the team manager that you need a flight and then you've got that all that time sitting on the flight to get home and you see your wife, Karina, as you get off and things like that, how, what was that moment like? Yeah, it was, it, the, the flight, it was the, the quickest way to get to the Caribbean was go right around the world, um, oh. to go to England and everywhere. It's a difficult but, flight, oh. that. Oh. Yeah. Long. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. The, the hardest thing was, was the, the unknown. Like, what, what sort of tumour is it? Is it yeah. um, a wheels tumour where you can just cut it out and, and you have a bit of chemo and life goes on or... The, the extent of it, and, and we got the worst possible result. We, we had neuroblastoma stage four, which it doesn't get any more aggressive. So it was trying to sit there and just get your head around what you're about to walk into. As I said, once you walked in, you embraced everyone, that, that's when it became, everything started mm. to become clear. Like mm. you, it, was, it was amazing how, how clear decision-making was because you, you, had, you weren't thinking about anything else. You, you were thinking about making sure you can make as life as easy as you possibly can for, for your daughter um, and do everything what you can. Then on the flip side, to make sure the rest of your family is getting through the, the situation as well as they can without affecting their lives as well. Yeah, and the trust you had in your team and the fact you went, you know what, I'm going to hand that over to them because that's why that's why they're in the position they're in. Had That's always been an incredible story and one that we'll, we'll deep dive into at another yeah. time as well. But so many highlights as well. Yeah. I mean, yep. Could I start with talking to you after you won the World Cup? I uh, don't know how long you've been on the juice for, but it at least Travis Headlock, at least ten hours, <laughs> and uh, you were passing the phone round. I was, I rang up Hads on yeah. his mobile, and he passed the phone round to all the boys when we were on the grill team. It was hilarious. Um, that for me was great. The fact that you just you're just a normal knockabout Aussie bloke who, you know, had a crack and made the most of it. What is your highlight? Yeah, that, that's up there. The 2015 World Cup and. One is because I knew in the back of my mind that that was my last hurrah in one-day cricket. I, I didn't say that to, to anyone. My family um, knew that was the time it, I was going to end it. But the, the reason I enjoyed that one so much was, one, it was home. The, the pressure of a home World Cup's different. But the highlight has to be 2013-14 Ashes for a number of reasons. Was That, that was the, 
the first campaign that I come back for um, after a, a long wait. Oh, yeah, I think it was. What it, I, my family hadn't had to see to see me play in mm. in that after going through everything with Mia, but it, it was. I remember Matthew Hayden saying to me, he said, mate, you'll play all the, the tests, you'll play. He said, nothing nothing matters unless you win an Ashes. And I was thinking, oh, I haven't won an Ashes yet. And, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Uh, and, and to do it with that group of guys there, it's 10 years since we've done that. We only used 11 players for the whole five. Wow, it's wow, um, unbelievable. Yeah. and That was a Mitchell Johnson series, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And he was scary, scary fast. Well, I'd never seen it before. I'd never seen grown men walk out and, and they were petrified. And, and Graham Swan summed it up. I, I remember he walked out to bat and he, he was looking for the fielders in front of him. And, and he looked around and we're all behind. And we'll, we'll, we'll help him a lot with what he was about to get. Yeah, so he knew so exactly, nice of you giving yeah. him advice. That's, yeah, just, that's what we thought. Yeah. And he basically looked at us and said, I, I don't need this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and nicked it, walked off, and he ended two tests later. But that, that was by far the highlight, not only for on the field, but when, when you're in an Ashes campaign, life's so good for your mum, your dad, your brothers, your mm. family. And you go to the local coffee shop, everyone's got an opinion on the Ashes and – Everyone hates the Poms. It's amazing yeah. when you're in that campaign how much yeah. they hate the Poms. If you could just uh, <laughs> capture and go back to play one one more test, would it be to have a, a test where you took you know, six or seven dismissals or raise the bat and have a knock up 100? Yeah, it's it's good question, Jude. And you know what's none of that? If I could go back once more and stand out in front of a packed MCG and sing the national anthem. Oh Amazing. yes, that—that's the only thing. I, like I don't, I, I wouldn't shut. Yes, you'd like to go back and whack a hundred mm. and, and raise to the crowd. Um, you or, did that a few times yeah, too. Now exactly. and then, now and then. But <laughs> it, it's to to sing the national anthem. To sing there, you, you're with all the your teammates. The the crowd get involved with it. That's the one thing that I miss. You know, out of everything in and around, you speaking with that, that emotion, out of everything I've ever done in and around sport, I love sport so much, I've never gone to watch a test match uh, at the MCG. You've never done the Boxing Day test? No, I've never done the Boxing Day yeah, test. I've been offered a Boxing Day test. Let us fix that whenever you want to happen, yeah, brother. Day one. Yeah. We're, 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 yeah, got to yeah. be day one. Yeah. And Well, next year it's going to be India. Yep. And the year after is going to be England. So the next two Boxing Days, yeah. pick one of those two, yeah. and you can you can set. I think England. I think you, can, one. you can set up in the box with us. Yeah. We'll get the big fella on. We'll do a bit of his cricket through lunchtime. It'd be good with day one with the Barmy Army. Oh yeah, <laughs> get, send the big fella down there, mate. Thank you so much, awesome, Ads. Incredible career. And what I loved about your career is that you're completely selfless, and you're pretty much selfless now in in, in everything you do. You're always True. there as a friend to help as much as you possibly can. But the thing is. There's plenty of times you could have come out and played for a for, your, for yourself, and you never did. Mm. You always wanted the game to go forward, and that was always your focus, and that's what you do in life. So it's great to be a mate of yours. Thanks no. for coming in, brother. Thanks, awesome boys. Thank, Thank you. Brad Haddon there in the Three H's podcast. The Rush Hour with Gus, Jude, and Wendell.